Hi, and welcome to Save Your Sorry, the podcast where we talk about the rise and fall of a celebrity and of our opinions along the way. I'm Katrina, and you can meet me halfway. And I'm the bitch she's singing about, Jose. Katrina, who should we be talking about today? All right, all right, all right. Today, we're doing something a little different. <laughs> <laughs> Today is a continuation of part two. A few episodes ago, maybe even more than a few, I did backstage battles where I talked about the beef slash feuds with um, Desperate Housewives and Martin and Gina, correct? Correct. Martin and Tisha Tisha Campbell Martin from the show Martin. Yes. Very informative. Thank you. (laughs) I try my best. (laughs) So uh, basically, I was like, well, I have this week. I can do a whole nother celebrity, which I do plan to eventually. But uh, I wanted to do a part two. So I brought up two other feuds that I hear about, but we haven't talked about them here. So might as well. All right. More behind the scene beefs. So today I will be talking about two long running shows that also had some long running feuds to go with them. The first feud I will be discussing today is between the Sex in the City stars Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall. Now, Sex in the City was a mix of drama and comedy centered around the romance of these four women in New York City that happened to be friends. It followed them through the years as they attempted to get everything they wanted in their personal and professional lives. The show premiered in 1998 and it ended in 2004. It spawned a spinoff, The Carrie Diaries, two films, Sex and the City 1 and 2, and a reboot, Sex and the City and Just Like That. Just a little tidbit to embarrass myself. Um, I did not really watch this show. I, um, I'm i familiar with like a moment where old girl gets broken up on a post-it, but I like saw that on accident. But for the longest time, I thought this was called sex in the city because I was like, everybody kept talking about maybe just doing a whole bunch of sex on the on, on the show. I was like, oh, so it's called sex in the city. That makes sense. But now I learned like a few years ago, it's sex and the city because I guess it's in New York City. And I'm just like, that's a dumbass title. I think it's one of those Mandela effects. For sure. I feel like maybe it was sex in the city the whole time. They didn't change the, the signage up <laughs> on me. They put me in a parallel universe. Yeah, are, I, you fa- are you familiar with this show? I, I'm not. I, I like I know what you're talking about. I think it was a huge hit when it strangely enough, like I thought it came out later than nineteen ninety-eight, but I remember it always, you know, it was a big buzz. Mm-hmm. Like you heard about it if you were into pop culture type things yeah and i always thought it was sex in the city as well exactly y'all having sex y'all in the city uh-huh <laughs> now you having sex and the city and the city i give you a tour of the city uh i digress so depending on if you are familiar with this feud this show you kind of either fall under the assumption that sarah jessica parker and kim cattrall were cordial co-stars and maybe things turn sour for one reason or another or you kind of believe that it was all a lie they were never friends they never liked each other and they just played ball in the public so that they could show a united front or like me (laughs) it's a mix of the two and i love a mix maybe everyone always thinks you're the celebrities are be best friends behind the scenes but it's not always the case just like average people you're not always going to like your co-workers yeah i feel that i think uh 
speaking for myself, um, I guess just before I had some experience and I was still like a teenager and young, when I was really into TV, I kind of held that belief too. Like you would watch something, you'd be like, oh, they're they're best friends or they love each other or they act just like their characters, I bet. And then you grow up and you're like, bro, that's a job. That shit, they're going to they hit cut. They don't even got to see each other no more. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, bye. Don't talk to me. I'm going to my trailer. You go to yours. Mm-hmm. Especially when you think of when you, you yourself get older and you get jobs and you realize how you are on the clock and off the clock. Tangent, real quick. Used to work on a bookstore. I think I've mentioned this, of course. But when I worked at this bookstore, you had a 30-minute lunch break. Let's talk about it. 30-minute lunch break, that's nothing. That's literally nothing. But um, I used to walk from the bookstore to a different quiet hallway and sit in the hallway on the floor and eat some chips for 30 minutes. And for some reason... Not on the floor. First of all, yeah, sometimes they didn't have a chair. Oh, the worst. And I was not about to go into the community area and have everybody look at this big bitch eating free toes. <laughs> Excuse me, bitch, I am not a zoo exhibit, bitch. You, you ain't watching this walrus choke down her goddamn lunch in 15 minutes because it took her 10 minutes to get to the goddamn hallway. All out her breath, speed walking there. I, it, not speed walking back. No, it was my lunch break and I was trying to make my feet stop hurting. And now my feet hurt going in to work the clock back in. Oh, that's horrible. Bullshit. Anyway, what the fuck was I talking about? Oh, yeah. You gather people. Uh, people uh, take your friendly attitude as like you wanting to spend time with them or wanting to talk to them all the time. So then on my 30, uh, 30 minute lunch break, I started getting friends who wanted to sit down during my 30 minute lunch break and talk to me when I had headphones in. This shit is irritating. So that's just saying that, yeah, sometimes work is just work. You don't yeah, want to be friendly. I get that. And I'm not so much anymore, but back before, I, I used to argue a lot with people at work. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, you know, that one thing, am I the drama? I kind of, sometimes I know I was, I was just in a bad mood. <laughs> But you were definitely the drama most of the time. But I'm not always to play the villain in the story. Sometimes in my head, I need to be the hero. You would come in on days and decide which one you were going to be. That's how evil you were. You had the <laughs> capabilities of being the hero every day, but you said, nah, bitch, it's Wednesday. I'm, <laughs> I'm fucking Lucifer. That uh, New York clip, I was bored, so I ruined lunch. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a mix. I think it was both like maybe they were cordial, something took a turn, as well as them trying to play up the fact that they were friends and a sisterhood and rumors can't penetrate that. So from what I gather, just looking online and seeing the fandom, it seems like Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall did play the two most popular characters from Sex and the City. I know people have are fans of all of them. People have their favorites, but it seems like if you took a poll, um, it seems like maybe it depends on which one you go with. But sometimes Samantha comes on out, comes out on top as being the best favorite character, and then Carrie. Or sometimes it's the reverse where Carrie is the favorite character and then Samantha. So it's ironic these two play fan favorites as well as enemies, maybe off screen. Mm-hmm. So Sarah plays Carrie, Carrie Bradshaw, who is a columnist. No, can I say that word, bitch? Col- columnist. She's a columnist who lives in New York City. 
and writes okay. about her own, I had to say it like that. It wasn't going to come out. She lives in New York City and she writes about her romantic life and um, her adventures as well. Sometimes sprinkling stories about her friends because, of course, they all share and sit down and have lunch and do all that stuff. Kim Cottrell played Samantha Jones. She is a PR agent who also has her own business. She is sexually liberated and open, though she is not really an emotionally available type of partner. Now, when Sex and the City aired on HBO, it was definitely one of their successful shows of that era. They won seven Emmys during its run. Um, Sarah Jessica Parker even got one for her, um, her portrayal one year. It was a big cultural hit, especially with the women. They even said like the stylist or the designer, her name was Patricia Fields. They were basically saying that the way she styled the ladies in the Sex and the City uh, series set the tone for fashion at one point in time. That's crazy. Love it. So throughout the seven year run on the show, rumors would pop up occasionally about there being like discontent on the set from an actor or somebody else, or maybe more of a separation between the stars themselves, specifically Kim being separate from the other three stars, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kristen Davis, who played Charlotte, and Cynthia Nixon, who played Miranda. Time and time again, the press would, you know, of course, they're public figures, they have interviews, so the press would poke and ask about the relationships and their friendships on set that the four had with each other, and if there was tension. And of course, you know, they want to seem successful. They don't want to seem catty. They want to seem proud of their work. So they deny. They say, of course, there's not any drama. We're professional women who go on set and do a job, basically. They would even say how, you know, occasionally feelings get hurt, but you know, that's just the business. Yeah. With the media having all these reports from the set of, things going on, speculations, and the stars are denying it, you would think that, okay, well, they must, the media must be wrong. But now we're in 2022 and a lot thing, a lot of things have been said over the years. Was the media right from the start? So there are people who think that this feud started originally over money demands because in season two, after, of course, Sex and the City was seen as successful, Sarah Jessica Parker became an EP, executive producer of the show, and that ended up giving her more money because she she's uh, she has another part of part. She has another part in the show that she plays behind the scenes. And would you say that she's the most known star out of the cast? Funny you bring that up. I wasn't even going to say this. So when I was researching and looking it up. As of now, yes, Sarah Jessica Parker is the biggest star, is the, the face, the moneymaker of the Sex and the City franchise. But funny enough, when the show was just starting, Kim Cattrall was the more famous, more established star, seeing as she was in two hit movies. Now, they weren't 1996, seven, like they just happened before that movies, but she was established in her career because of those hit movies. It was, um, she was in the mannequin movie and she was in Big Trouble in Little China. Sarah Jessica Parker was known. I think Kim Cattrall was known, but Kim was just a little bit more established at that point in time. But as the series goes on, Sarah becomes the, the bigger name, I think, in a way. Okay. So, um, 
Yeah, back to that. So um, Sarah becomes an EP. She gets more money. The rumor is Kim, of course, hears about this. She knows about this. And she wants to renegotiate her contract because, of course, she wants to make some more money. And apparently the rumor was that the other girls didn't like her doing this and that that may have also started some of that tension that we that was spoke about before. Because she wanted more money? Yes, she wanted more money. I, I mean... If they're all acting, they should all, all get the same money. I mean, that's what you think, but that's es- not how they do it. Especially if Lil' Kim here is one of the favorites. In 2004, Kim Cattrall even brings this up, uh, saying that she thinks one of the reasons that the show ended for her after six seasons is that she was expecting to get to benefit from the success and get paid more, and it just didn't happen. She didn't, they did, the, the the powers that be behind Sex in the City didn't make it rain. Life moves on and the show went off. I now, think Sex in the City is such a huge show, even without having watched it. It's like, it's always referenced in other shows and in pop culture. That's surprising to me. They wouldn't, like, you know, you wouldn't hear these big payouts of, you know, a million dollars an episode or two million dollars an episode or however many. <sighs> I just, yeah, in a way, yes and no. I feel like, well, just based off every, I'll just speak on as somebody who knows everything that they know right now and uh-huh. has their opinions. I feel that they all got this base pay season one and then it became a smash hit. Sarah Jessica Parker is the lead. She may not be the, the biggest actress as of right now, but she's the lead of this show. So she advocates for herself becomes an EP and the other girls didn't care but Kim cares because she I guess in a way wants fairness with the salary so she tries to advocate for herself and let's go back to that whole Fresh Prince um who else was a renegotiator a Desperate Housewives thing some people feel that is a way that's disrespectful like you're rocking the boat other people feel like it's a it's a chance for us to all come together and get everything we want. And it seems like in this case, maybe Kristen and Cynthia and some, some other people didn't like that Kim was trying to get more than they felt she was owed. Yeah. So um, I think obviously based off the fact that the other two girls were not happy with Kim's decision on trying to get more money for herself, it seems like maybe... Um, they didn't want to rock the boat situation. Also, this is a rumor, so maybe they didn't feel any sort of way with this, and this is just hearsay. A rumor, yeah. Well, if it is true, I'd be more on Kim's side. Like, I'm acting, you're acting, we're both doing the same, you know, acting job. This mm-hmm. ready bitch is not going to tell me, like, you know, she's making more than me. That doesn't make sense. Especially yeah. if I'm the favorite, if I'm on I'm people's favorites. First of all, if you ever found out you was a favorite on the show, you would go in. You would be like, "You can't cast that person. I want, I want roses in this in this shot, and I want a cool pack of whatever in my trailer." And you would just be a diva. Only shoot me from this angle, yeah. <laughs> and I can only go on set Thursdays and Tuesdays. Otherwise, I'm. Don't speak to me before because I'm resting my voice. Don't look me in the eye unless they say action. Oh, love it. Now, as some, um, like I said, as the show went on, some reports said that Sarah, Cynthia, and Kristen did not really speak to him on set much at all. 
and that they were maybe, you know, staying to themselves. Um, the show ends, like I said, in 2004 after six seasons, and there's no talk of a movie yet. Uh, the movie happens a few years later and is released in 2008, and of course it is a hit. It makes over $400 million in the box office worldwide. And you don't hear that a lot, especially about a TV to movie type thing, unless it's something that's like gigantic. That is true. And like we said before, Sex and the City was it was a cultural hit. And when it ended, it just gave people more time to go back and rewatch it or to gain new fans. So, of course, when they decided to do a movie, it was like, well, shit, we going all out and the fans supported them. Now, Which is so crazy thinking about it because, you know, it's all like middle-aged women. <laughs> like, not someone you would think is like bringing in the, the audience. Now, you want to send that hate mail <laughs> straight I to Jose's DMs. I didn't say that shit. I, <laughs> God damn, did you I said what the said? studios would say. I'm going to translate what Jose just said. He said, I can't believe people saw them old ass, crusted, dusted, crinkled, wrinkled little fucking women in that fucking movie. Could you believe it? They sat in the theater and watched them goddamn brittle bones. Twice. Twice. <laughs> Wrong. But uh, so yeah, it's a huge hit. But instead of focusing on why this is such a successful hit and how the stars should be very proud, there are a little, a, a, a small rumble of an, a, a rumor going on that the uh, reason why this movie took so long while it was four years after the show went off is because Kim Cattrall was the holdout. She was the reason why it took so long for the movie to get made. Now, Kim hears about this rumor and she responds directly. Um, she says, quote, four years ago, which is 2004, when Sex and the City originally ends. She said, four years ago, I was going through a painful public divorce. The show was coming to an end and my father was diagnosed with dementia. I felt it was time to be with my real family. A year and a half ago, when I was sent the script, I was ready and strong enough to revisit Samantha. In some ways, I'm glad we waited. The script and the experience of making the movie was the best possible reunion. Now, that's her basically saying, no, bitch, I didn't hold up anything. I was going on with my life since the show ended. And when they did give me the script, I had gone through processing some of my woes and getting my mental and physical health together as well as spending time with my family that I felt that I could come back to this character and be fulfilled and properly portray her. Yeah, so right now it's still pretty much a rumor mm -hmm. that there's beef. But I did hear that throughout the years and I'm not a viewer of the show. Exactly. You hear about these rumors because you just stay in the zeitgeist. Yeah. Now, all this is true, like it is verified. She did get a divorce from her uh, third husband in 2004. Her father was diagnosed with dementia. So if all this is true and verifiable, why would these rumors, these reports be trying to make Kim the bad guy when if, if let's just say if this was true, these circumstances that happened in Kim li Kim's life is things that anybody, any actor, any worker, any person 
would take time off to deal with before revisiting a character they just got done playing for six years. Yeah. So to vilify her is so rude and weird because if she was a holdout because of those things, don't you think it would be respectful to give her that time? Yeah, and I, you know, this the rumors come out, and so it's like a source close to them said this or mm-hmm. that. But why, why are they always throwing dirt on Kimmy C's name? I don't like that. We move forward. Like I said, the first movie is a hit. Everybody was eager for a sequel, of course, because they're hoping that the sequel, if not better, does at least equal than Sex in the City one. Reports again go out saying that. Second movie is ready to be shot, but Kim's holding up because of quote-unquote salary demands. I think it's weird that if you're trying to shoot a movie, a sequel, and you have to have, no matter what, we're just saying, you have to have these four ladies in the movie. First of all, the contract should already be signed, but why is everybody else's salary settled? And we're just working with the assumption that this is true. Why are they leaving Kim to be last while she's renegotiating possibly or why are they letting Kim be last to sign her contract as a way to blame her I just didn't think that was right or they're just making this whole thing out out of thin air because if y'all if these reports of rumors that are coming from people either working close to the movie or people who are in the production why um are we letting this narrative be drugged on again if kim was a holdout the first movie wouldn't you take care of her the second movie to get her squared away that's yeah it it also stems from the problem that it doesn't seem like they're going negotiating as a team you know the four women should probably they're singular yeah which would make more sense to me since You need all four women. Yeah. A friend close to Kim Cattrall stated that there was apparently at this time like a big pay disparity between Sarah Jessica Parker and some of the other girls. And so Kim was renegotiating her contract to make sure she got her worth. So, I mean, can't be mad at that, especially when they were mad at her doing it during the show. It's like, damn, if I can't do it during the show, I'm a damn sure do it during the movie if I know y'all make it 400 million. Mm-hmm. In 2009, while the second movie is in production, a story from the New York Post talks about how uh, apparently Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall are not talking to each other at all, and that the set is filled with tension and people that are working on the set are uncomfortable. Now, this is coming from the New York Post in 2009, but when Elle magazine talks to Sarah about the rumors that Kim Cattrall doesn't get along with the other cast members, Sarah says, quote, I don't think anybody wants to believe that I love Kim. I adore her. I wouldn't have done the movie without her. Didn't and wouldn't. Unquote. End quote. And just to hammer down, when the Daily Mail is uh, doing an interview with Kim Cattrall and brings up uh, Sarah Jessica Parker's comments, Kim basically says, you know, she kind of echoes those same sentiments. She says, uh, quote, I think Sarah was right. People don't want to believe we get on. They have too much invested in the idea of two strong, successful women fighting with each other. It makes for juicy gossip and copy. The truth of us being friends and getting along happily doing our jobs together is nowhere near as newsworthy. I think Sarah is fantastic. She is a born leader and she guides the crew and cast in such a strong but gentle way. She and I are sick of this. It's exhausting talking about it and a real bore. Hmm. So no yeah. beef, right? There's it sounds always, like no beef. If, 
if people don't think you're best friends, there's going to be those rumors of, especially between women, of them not getting along. Mm-hmm. Which I know how the story ends, so right might be a little bit <laughs> yeah. more to it, though. I think it's uh, you, you could go down the whole whole of, they are telling you nothing is wrong. Stop reporting on it. it we're actually friends. We're actually cool. And it's, it could be also, we're trying to act like we're friends. Will you fucking get off of us? Uh-huh. So, like, we need to promote this movie, so we're leave trying, us alone. Yeah, we're trying to have a successful movie. Y'all trying to paint us as bitches. If you don't get off my dick, bitch. I'm saying something like that. So... Sex and the City 2 is released in 2010, and it is okay. I mean, it still does great. It almost gets $300 million worldwide, but it does get less um, praise from the critics and is seen as the more underwhelming Sex and the City movie compared to its predecessor. Most sequels are. Very rarely does a sequel ascend the greatness of the first, but... I, I'm not saying Sex in the City was greatness. I'm just talking about in general, because yeah. But Sex in the City 2 would be the last time you would see the original four in a medium space together. For a couple of years, both Kim Cattrall, well, for a couple of years after Sex in the City 2, Kim Cattrall and Sarah Jessica Parker do multiple interviews saying that there is no beef, there is no feud, everything is fine. They were co-stars. They did a job, you know. This was personal. It was great. Whatever, whatever, whatever. But it wasn't until 2017 that the cracks would really show. And instead of a crack, that bitch became a canyon. Now, the Daily Mail in September 2017 reports that the official third Sex in the City movie that was supposedly planned to uh, start production and such was being canceled. Specifically due to the demands of Kim Cattrall. Now, I will say this. Those other two, Kim Cattrall is the holdout. Kim Cattrall has salary demands. Those could very well be true, but those were actual rumors. They didn't come from somebody official. Warner Brothers officially says that the third Sex in the City movie was canceled because of Kim Cattrall and her demands. So I just want to put that out there. Ooh. So the Daily Mail's quote is saying, Warner Brothers had given the much anticipated project the green light after months of speculation and the movie was supposed to start filming in the coming days. Coming days. They're saying this was days away from being filmed, but whatever. However, the studio can no longer move ahead as Cottrell demanded they produce other movies she has in development or she wouldn't sign up for the project. Warner Brothers refused to meet her demands and had to cancel production as the company decided it wouldn't be fair to fans to produce a movie with only three of the four main characters. So this is not Warner Brothers official statement, but this is coming from Warner Brothers that there's not gonna be a third movie. And these are, this is the biggest reason why right now. That really makes me believe all the other rumors, just because if it, they were supposed to start shooting in days, that means they were thinking, oh, Kim's going to come around. She always does. And this time she did it. They're, they could not reach it. Bro, let me discuss more, but we are on the same page, basically. So, um, and if 
so that's that's the statement that uh, comes from the Daily Mail article. And if you were looking for, you know, any of the other girls to chime in with, you know, like, no, that's not it. Or it's just an unfortunate circumstance or unfortunate situation. No, they are completely vague. They don't take the blame off Kim at all. They just say, you know, this was unfortunate. So we have first Sarah Jessica Parker. She talks to Extra TV saying that it's not over. Oh, no, shit, bitch, can you read? <laughs> she said, it's over. <laughs> we're, not, we're not doing it. I'm disappointed. We had this beautiful, funny, heartbreaking, joyful, very relatable script and story. It's not just disappointing that we don't get to tell the story and have that experience, but I think more so for the audience that has been so vocal about wanting another movie. Then you have Kristen Davis, who chimes in, who plays Charlotte. She goes on her Instagram and says, it is true that we are not going to be able to make a third film. I wish that we could have made the final chapter on our own terms to complete the stories of our characters. It is deeply frustrating not to be able to share that chapter, uh, in parentheses, beautifully written by MPK, Michael Patrick King, I think, with all of you. Now, I have feelings about this. And it's basically how you felt because, oh, and let me, let's get to the stick, the sticker, which is Kim, Kim Cattrall. When this daily mail article comes out about her being uh, the one who basically put the kibosh on this, she tweets out from her, her, um, her account that she said no to the third sex in the city, December, 2016. And I told you, that they made this announcement in September 2017 and were days away from shooting. So, so they I, thought she would come around. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, so what must have happened is y'all were sending her contract after contract. Y'all are renegotiating. And at one point, homegirl just says the final no. She's not doing it. She doesn't want to. And instead of anybody taking her at her word, I think they put everything on pause and went ahead with scheduling and doing all the other work. And then when it got to like crunch time and homegirl was still firm in her no, they waited so long to spin the narrative to the point where you have to say something. And it's like, well, everybody else said yes. Everybody else signed up. Who didn't? Kim. And I was thinking about the whole reason why they said they had to cancel it. Not only because Kim had these demands of like, I guess, salary, but she wanted the, she wanted Warner brothers to produce another project she had in development. And so I just thought in my mind, devil's advocate. So the fuck what, what if that's true? What if she did want Warner brothers to produce something, a, a project for her? She was in two of your movies that combined almost crack a billion granted not not quite but could be she's a part of a long-standing franchise that has been making money that is culturally relevant because y'all want this third movie and warner brothers and all these other companies produce a a, a very long spectrum of greatness to shit that i feel like if they wanted if she wanted one produce movie show, I felt like they could have gave that to her. But also, I don't even know if that's true because I have never heard in the life. Well, I know it's probably happened, 
But how many movies get canceled that are heading into production days before they start shooting because of one itty bitty star and their their demands that weren't worked out a year prior? It just don't sound right. It sounds like a cover up or a hit piece or, uh, well, this narrative's been working for us so far. Might as well put another bit. Put another one on camp and another one and another one. I can see that, but I could also see just being devil's advocate that maybe she is the drama. How many devil's advocate can we have? We're going to have all different sides. We're going to have a hexagon. (laughs) I just don't think this is a multi-million dollar franchise. And they they're saying days before it needed to be shot. Kim put the put the brakes on everything. It That's just, what's it, weird to me. If she was under contract, if this was something that she was moving forward with, wouldn't they be able to get her for infringing the contract or or anything? I just feel like they had their answer and they thought things were going to change and it just became something else. Yeah. Because they, they're not known to, you know, be 100% honest with the public anyway. I mean, Kim as well, because, I mean, she was putting on a mask. Another thing that also kind of clued me in onto their playing playing the victim is how they were um, talking about the fans, you know. Oh, uh, what we're mostly disappointed in is that, you know, we wanted to end on our own terms. You know, we wanted the audience to see what we had. It was such a great script. It was so this, it was so that. And as you know, if the fans wanted a third a, a third movie, if they hear that, you know, it was such a great script and we're disappointed that it just didn't happen. And then they also hear that there was this one person that was the reason why they didn't get it. They're obviously going to show support to those other stars while shunning the supposed star who is the reason why they can't have what they want. Oh, I see that because no one gives a fuck about the fans. Like, no and offense, honestly, it's they like, really it's about don't. money. They care about... There are some people who genuinely care about their fans, but I do think not that Sarah they're, Jessica Parker. That's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't know why. I said when, that. when people I are know big, <laughs> when I think when people are so big sometimes, and they don't need to rely on their fans as much as more as just like what they're putting out, they don't really care. But people like to be people like to be mentioned. Uh, people like to be acknowledged. So if you mention the fans, oh my god, man, yes, man, I wanted that three, I wanted that second study three, bitch, fucking Kim Cattrall, that bitch, yes, bitch, she the reason why I can't have it. Of course, I do the same thing if I was a a fucking crazy Sex in the City stan, I guess. I'm gonna have to watch this show, I, because people do love it. When that you, new one came out, people loved it. Going back to Kim. In 2017, after, well, after September 2017, where it's announced, you know, the third film is not happening. Very next month, Kim Cattrall does an interview with one of the bitchiest, trashiest, nastiest motherfuckers on this planet Earth, Piers Morgan. Um, And basically, they talk about, you know, the failed trilogy and all that and her relationships with the women. Kim basically makes it clear during her interview that she was never friends with them bitches. She didn't Ooh. say that. <laughs> but she tells Piers that her and her Sex and City co-stars, they were not friends like that. They weren't they, they were working women. And that she has no intention to ever go back to the Sex and City franchise. Um, 
And when, you know, peers asked about, you know, well, they were saying you had these demands and you um, that there are these rumors that you were requesting this and that. She says, well, quote, this is really where I take to task the people from Sex in the City and specifically Sarah Jessica Parker. I think she could have been nicer. I really think she could have been nicer. I don't know what her issue is, end quote. I don't know exactly all that means, except for her saying that obviously she felt she was done wrong by the allegations slash rumors that are coming out about why this film isn't happening. And more, and most importantly, of all those people, she is blaming Sarah Jessica Parker, who I'm guessing she feels has something to do with it from the back end or from behind the scenes. Yeah. Now, the same month, October 2017, there's another New York Post article that comes out talking about the Sex and the City cast members and the behavior that went on during the show. It is just to, um, what's the word? Summarize. Oh, bitch, I'm losing my words. Just to summarize, it basically speaks about how during the films and renegotiation talks, Kim is essentially made the villain slash scapegoat for why the things didn't get made or why things were held up and how this feud between Kim Cattrall could have sparked as early as like the first or second season of the show because Kim was essentially a scene stiller. And she does have a, um, she is sometimes the comedic relief of the show. Apparently, allegedly, Sarah was not happy with that because she was the star of the show. So if you're the star of the show and you got this uh, other woman who is still in the scene with her lines or one-liners and her character, maybe they're saying that she felt some sort of way about it. Also, in the article, it talks about how Sarah Jessica Parker and Cynthia Nixon were already close friends and then brought in Kristen Davis as a third and they formed a clique that essentially was those three versus Kim and they did not talk or associate with Kim at all behind the scenes even saying towards the end of the show run they didn't even talk to homegirl in the makeup like during makeup or in the makeup room or area or something like that so petty a little bit kind of so, love it I mean, if you're going to be a bitch, I might, you, might as well, <laughs> you might as well go full throttle. So a few months passed, February 2018, um, Andy Cohen on his Watch What Happens live show, Sarah Jessica Parker is a guest, and he asked her straight up about the Piers Morgan interview with Kim Cattrall and says, well, how did you feel about, you know, Kim saying that she didn't fuck with you bitches, you bitches was never her friends, and get the fuck out of here. Direct quote. And, what'd you say? Direct quote. Direct quote, yes. Uh -huh. I thought you first <laughs> maybe I got an insecurity. I thought you said you're broke. I was like, bitch, what? <laughs> what the fuck did you say to me over this airway? Okay, so uh yeah. Andy Cohen asked uh how she felt about that um being said that they weren't friends. And oh my god, I watched the clip and you know me, but then again, I think everybody's fake, but I thought this was really fake. And uh Sarah Jessica Parker is heartbroken. The whole week, I um, I found it really upsetting because that's not the way I recall our experience. I was like, girl, please get that shit out of here. Heartbroken. <laughs> you was heartbroken over her saying that y'all bitches was never friends for real. I don't think so. It, whatever. So not too long after that interview, unfortunately, tragically, Kim Cattrall's brother went missing. 
and Kim took to social media to ask for help finding him. A few hours later, it was found out that he he had died, um, apparently had taken his own life. Later, um, Kim Cattrall goes to her Instagram and she posts a picture of her and her brother, you know, saying, um, you know, talking about how he's unfortunately passed, asking for privacy for her and her family, as well as thanking people for, you know, the, the support and the care that they have shown her uh, during her brother going missing and then them finding out about him passing. So on that post, which now if you go to has uh, is no comments are left on it. But uh, apparently when this did have comments, Sarah Jessica Parker leaves a comment. She says, dearest Kim, my love and condolences to you and yours and Godspeed to your beloved brother, XX. This was not received well. Okay. So much so that Kim made another post. I'm going to read it. So, you know, Instagram, you post your picture and then you post your caption. So Kim's picture is, um, is words. It just says, I don't need your love or support at this tragic time at Sarah Jessica Parker. And the caption says, my mom asked me today, when will that, and she asked, she tags her, Sarah Jessica Parker, when will that, uh, Sarah, bitch, can I talk? When will old girl, that hypocrite, leave you alone? Your continuous reaching out is a painful reminder of how cruel you really were then and now. Let me make this very clear. Very is in all caps. Uh, and then she has in parentheses, if I haven't already. You are not my family. You are not my friend. So I'm writing to tell you one last time to stop exploiting our tragedy in order to restore your nice girl persona. And then at the end, she copies the link of the New York Post article detailing uh, all those things I talked about earlier about um, the reason why the franchise went to shit. Oh. So I was like, God damn. Now, after, after this happens, you know, um, Entertainment Tonight asked Parker, like, you know, you do have like a supposed feud with old girl. You know, what, what made you comment? And Parker says, you know, if somebody in your life whether you're in touch with them is, you know, going through something. It's involuntary that you want to convey condolences or sadness or just let someone know you're thinking of them. Do you think SJP was wrong for reaching out? Yes. You do? Yes. Now, a friend says that Sarah Jessica Parker reached out privately and called and texted Kim when they found out her, her brother was missing. And then she left the comment once, you know, the post talking about him passing. But even if that supposed quote-unquote friend is telling the truth i still think it was some bs i think you got to leave it where it is i think it does come off as you trying to be the nice girl and sweet if y'all really and even if it's just kim i mean let's just say for the sake sarah don't got no problem with kim kim just has a problem with sarah then you need to leave the girl alone even if something's happened to her in her personal life, you reached out privately, I would have left it at that. Because as we know, sometimes when you do things publicly with people who you are known not to associate with or not have good energy or a good connection or relationship with, and you reach out publicly, it's seen as 
performative is seen as unnecessary or you just trying to get some attention. And even if that was not SJP's intent, that's still how it came off. Because it's like, the girl don't like you. The girl says she don't like you. You you talked to her privately or you tried to let her know that you were thinking of her privately. Let it lie. She's going through a hard time. Maybe you don't need to give your condolences. Maybe your personal Sarah Jessica Parker condolences are not needed right now. I get that, but I also get like something horrible happened to you and your family. Let me so, so if old, push if old girl feet. reaches out to you. Uh, if something happens to old girl, and I hope you know who I'm talking about, are you sending her a message on Messenger or text message? If something happened to her family, I probably would be like, so sorry for your loss. Are you doing that publicly or privately? Either or. I, I guess when you're a celebrity, it I can see the... The reason why you do it publicly. Exactly. For the yeah. eyes. The attention. Which is, if you know that people already think that way, if you're not trying to go that way, I think the best the best path to take is maybe the quiet path. And uh-huh. I don't know why she did. U.S. Weekly reported that um, basically they were saying uh, somebody who was close to Sarah Jessica Parker was like, you know, I'm not sure why Kim, you know, had to take it to that level of, you know, writing that post on Instagram. And I'm like, bruh, she's dealing with it. And you got to think, if she's in mourning. Whether she, let's just say she was still in her right mind, but she is going through a lot of emotion. She's feeling like somebody's fake is uh, trying to uh, infiltrate her circle. She she's not she's not with that right now. So I don't think she took it to another level. I think she was just trying to say, "Girl, leave. We, we are done associating with each other. No matter what happens in our lives, I think we should just leave each other alone." I can now, see both sides, honestly. In that one, I can see, but I think with the whole public thing, I think I'm more so on Kim's side. I don't think I would have blasted Sarah like Kim did, but you know, we all have our different directions. And sometimes when you're grieving, you just need that release, that punching bag. You okay? Misery loves company. That is true. Uh Okay, so in the later years, they've kind of tilled off. Um... You know, not really speaking about it or avoiding it. Even in 2020, Kim was basically saying, like, you know, my my career has been affected enough by this feud that I've had with this girl. If you want to hear anything I said about her or the subject, go on Google. Everything I've said is on Google. And I don't have any regrets. The most recent update to the story happened in June 2022 when Sarah Jessica Parker was on the Hollywood Reporter Awards Chatter podcast. Um, they got to talking about the, um, the feud, because that's what it is called. But Sarah Jessica Parker does not like those words. She does not like that being the narrative, and she does not like that being categorized um, as a like a feud, a cat fight, a beef, or whatever. So what is she's, she want to call? Oh, I'll get to it. Okay. Because <laughs> she don't really want it to be called. She wants, she wants y'all to see the semantics, I'm guessing. But she says, quote, it's very hard to talk about the situation with Kim because I've been so careful about not ever wanting to say anything that is unpleasant because that's not the way I like to conduct conversations that are complicated as this. She says that when it comes to the way Kim feels about her and has spoken about her in the past, She's like, there's nobody else who's ever talked about me this way. And it's very painful. And I feel like 
That is true. Um, it can be very hurtful and a kind of a betrayal when you have somebody you worked with saying all these things about you publicly year after year or whatever. But also, if what you're what she's saying is true, you conduct yourself differently in private than you do in public. So, of course, you don't like to have conversations and say things like this publicly because that's not who you're known as. Yeah, it's destroying her image. Exactly. Her nice girl persona. Now, um, when uh, they get to talking about the third film situation, why it didn't happen, Sarah reiterates the um, whole Warner Brothers situation, saying that apparently she wanted some things, some demands. And uh, she says, quote, they didn't feel comfortable meeting where she wanted to meet. And so we didn't do the movie because we didn't want to do it without Kim. And uh, she says, we're... Kristen and Cynthia disappointed, sure, but it happens. Hmm. I just felt, I don't know. I felt like that could have been left out, but I think that's also Sarah Jessica's way of saying, no, um, I don't care if that was a rumor or not. What was said was true. She's the reason why the third film didn't happen solely. No and everyone reason. sides with me and we're all disappointed. Yeah, we were disappointed, but sure it happens. And we didn't want to do it without Kim. That's one of the reasons. So if we, if they didn't want to do her demands, we didn't want to do it with Kim. Without Kim, it didn't get made. And it's funny because you find out in, of course, January 21, uh, 2021, that the reboot of Sex and the City is happening. And just like that is the, what is, is Sex and the City and just like that or some. I think weird, it's just like that. It's such a dumbass name. It just irritates me. <laughs> okay. But anyway, just like that, uh, the reboot of Sex in the City is announced January 2021. So it's so funny that um, a year later you're talking about how one of the reasons why you stood firm in um, not moving on with the third film after they didn't want to meet her demands is because you didn't want to do it without Kim. But it's Sarah Jessica Parker, the face of the franchise, the executive producer, says, hey, we want to do this third film. She mentioned how the script was so beautiful, so elegant, so great. If you advocate that this movie is going to be bigger and better than ever, you want all four stars, you're the face of the franchise, why wouldn't they listen to you? Sounds like that shit didn't happen to me. Who knows? But anyway, that is where we end. You know, Kim has gone on to do other go uh, guest stars, guest spots, other shows. I think right now she's in the reboot of Queer as Folk. Um, Sarah Jessica Parker is in other HBO shows, one of them being the reboot of Sex and the City. So uh, they still don't like each other. We still don't know the reason why, but you could pretty much guess that even if you think one is more right than the other, it is essentially because Kim and Sarah could not get along and they both felt that they were both right. And oh, Sarah Jessica Parker basically at the end of her interview said that she wants people to stop calling this a cat fight or argument because she said it doesn't reflect reality because there has been only one person talking basically insinuating Kim has done all the talking. It's a one-sided beef, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Don't call it a beef. I get that. She went gangster on her. Just at the end. I thought, I mean, I was like, oh, well, at least she said it with her chest. Isn't now, it yep, Samantha's that's it. character going to be in season two by text message? And I wasn't even going to mention that. 
the, in, in the reboot, she's not in the reboot because apparently her and Carrie had a falling out. In the reboot, they make up over text, which why the fuck? She's not in the show. Y'all not going to recast her. Why are we mentioning her? And then apparently she is maybe going to be mentioned in the second season. But when talking about it, they basically said that there was no way, no reason that Kim would ever get back on the show. And Kim is always and Kim has said about the uh, the reboot. She ain't watched it and she don't plan to ever get on that shit either. So both sides are at least uh, they both know what they, they want. And they know they don't want each other. <laughs> All right. So this next one's going to be really quick. Because uh, unlike Sarah Jessica Parker saying that hers was a one-sided feud, I definitely think that this was more of a one-sided feud. One person doesn't like another person. And then the second person ends up not liking that person based on how they treat them. But you tell me. Okay. So the second show featuring a feud that we're talking about is Married with Children. Now, who is feuding on, well, let's just talk about it real quick. Married with Children was a sitcom, a family sitcom that came out in 1987, lasted until 1997, had 11 seasons. 11? 11 seasons. That's a lot. I know. It was, uh, I think it was like, at least with real people, you know, I mean, not including animation, I think it was Fox's longest running sitcom. Interesting. So, um. Married with Children starred Katie Seagal as Peg Bundy, Ed O'Neill. Love her. You know we love some Katie Seagal. Um, Ed O'Neill as Al Bundy, Christina Applegate as Kelly Bundy, David Faustino as Bud Bundy, and Amanda Beer. Yeah, Amanda Bierce as Marcy Darcy. And of course, Marcy had a couple of husbands, but you know they're not important to the story. I'm not going to mention them. Now, who was feuding? In this show, it was Ed O'Neill and Amanda Beers. Now, so Ed is the Ed is the father. Okay. He um, if you don't know him from uh, being Al on Married with Children, you might also know him playing Jay Pritchett on Modern Family. Okay, and who is the other one? Mars oh Amanda Beers plays Marcy Darcy. Marcy Darcy, okay. Um, she hasn't played in a lot of things after Married with Children. She is more so uh taking her career behind the scenes and become more of a director. In fact, uh towards the end of the uh towards the end of the show, Married with Children, she was directing uh, like a good amount of episodes. So she was directing even though she was starring in that towards the end of that. Okay. So there's just a few stories. So the word is, is that when Married with Children first started, it was great. You know, everybody got along. There was no egos. There was no problems. Everything ran smoothly. Love and um, marriage. If you ask Ed O'Neill, which I watched parts of this video, it is called, it's the Ed O'Neill interview. It has three parts. Dash metvlegends.org if you look it on on YouTube. If you look at it on a website that's not YouTube, it's uh, from popculturereferences.com. And it basically just details these few incidents in which Ed and Amanda had over the years. But it seems like it was more so Ed had a problem with Amanda and Amanda was just reacting. Huh. So um, during this interview, which happened in 2013, which surprised me when I heard what came out of his mouth, he's talking about basically when it started, um, they were cool and that Amanda was gay. Like 
you know, people knew on set that Amanda was gay. And she later did come out openly. But she was, uh, Ed says that she was uh, gay and feminine. She was more so the woman in the in the relationship. But he says as time passed and the show went on longer, she starts to become more masculine and more of the man in the relationship. And so that's when things started to turn. And I noticed that we started to butt heads more. And um Okay, he's in the wrong. I, I'm just going to say he's in the wrong already. <laughs> Bro, this is what, and I'm paraphrasing, but this is what he said. 2013 when he was speaking about his co-star. I couldn't even believe it. To me, it sounds like he wants women to act a certain way, and he was mad that she wasn't acting like that. Yes. So let's get into the, the, the I feel like the most, ag- well, no, this isn't. They're all, it's, it's, this is a bad one, too. But basically, so... Um, Amanda was getting married. This is towards the end of the run of uh, Married with Children as well, but she's getting married. Uh, Amanda sends out wedding invitations to everybody in the cast except for Ed O'Neill, who plays Al, and uh, David Faustino, who plays Bud. And so Ed, of course, being the manly man he is, he's the one in charge, he's the star, he felt slighted. I don't even think he cared, but at, he felt slighted that he didn't get an uh, invitation. So he goes to Amanda and asks. To, so this is what he says. I'm, I'm going to read it, the whole thing, the whole quote. So this is him telling the story. That I'm Ed O'Neill telling the story of what Amanda says to him. Okay. So Amanda says to him, this was a very tough call, but I just feel that you would find it amusing that me and Becky would be, that me and Becky would come in t- tuxedos in a church and walk down the aisle and you and David would be snickering and finding it funny. So Ed responds, Amanda, what is funny about two women in tuxedos walking down to church? And then he says, you know, I started laughing and then Amanda points out and says, see. And so I said, well, you know why? Because it's fucking funny and I'm not going to be the only one that, and I'm not going to be the only one that doesn't think so. But it was funny. She had a little white tux, and to me, it was funny. But in other words, she may not have been wrong in excluding me. What? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing. First Don't of all, his ass. like he's gonna laugh at you at your wedding because you're wearing a fucking tuxedo. <laughs> Obviously, you have you think whatever involves. Uh, Amanda in her lesbian relationship is so hilarious. You already don't respect her by evidence of what you already said about her, but she doesn't invite you to this private moment. And instead of accepting that gracefully, you confront her and then confirm her suspicions of you being a piece of shit. And you say it directly in her face as a way to like hurt her. Yeah. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. Like saying, oh, everyone's going to laugh at you. Like, oh my goodness. Loki tried to lie to her and then say, yeah, it it actually would be be hilarious. It's going to be fucking funny. You and the tux, you and your masculine, uh, you and your masculine face with your other wife in a tuxedo. It's going to be funny. Women wearing pants? Get it out. I'm telling you. So then the last story, this is the most egregious story. 
because it just tells you about his ego and what he thinks of not only her, but what I feel like he thinks of any any show that he might be the star of. So before you say that though, his other comment that we kind of just brush aside, he yes. said she was right for not inviting me, which okay, so he's you know admitting he probably shouldn't have been invited. Mm -hmm. But then he says, but it was funny. So he's like sticking by that statement. Yeah, like he made he got he went out of his way to confront her about something he basically knew was not for him. She knew that he would not be the right person to invite. He knows that in the back of his mind, but he doesn't like that she had the control to not invite him and he's not invited. So he just wanted to say that to her face. Oh, no. It's tainting my image of him. I know, right? And I love me some mom finally. Uh -huh. So, um, last story. Uh, so they get into this fight, apparently. Uh, Ed O'Neill is in the video. He can't remember what it's about. But he does say it's like in a makeup room. And uh, apparently she calls him a bully, which, <laughs> bitch, I agree. And he says, uh, you're miserable. And they were apparently in front of a crowd. Maybe the crew, maybe the cast and crew, who knows. But the, he says they're in front the of live everybody. Audience. It, shit, actually, yeah, now that you mention it, in front of the live audience, you never know. And then um, uh, he's quoted, and now I'm going to just read him saying it all in his own words. And then he says uh, to Amanda, you're not very bright. And he says, but she was bright. But in a way, she actually wasn't because um, she asks, I'm not bright. And he's like, I could just see her gearing up to say, like, I'm smarter than you. And he says, no. And I'll tell you why. I have a button I could push. That button says, get rid of Amanda Beers. You don't have a button that says, get rid of Ed O'Neill. Your button doesn't work. Mine works. He says, now this is a mean thing to say. I was never, I never was going to push that button, but it was true. I could go to them and say, I can't work with her. I go or she goes. Who goes? So that was kind of bad. Yeah, I mean, he's he's right. He's right, but he's 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 wrong for knowing that and exploiting that in a way. Yeah, in the middle of that argument where he's calling her not bright in front of a crowd. You've already insulted her. You said she was miserable. You said she wasn't bright, and one of the reasons that she's not bright is because bitch. Even though you direct sometimes and we're co-stars, I'm essentially your boss. I can, I dictate if you get fired or you stay. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. People, a lot of, I mean, most people know their powers on set. They know what they bring to the table. They know sometimes where they can negotiate, where they can wiggle or not. What they don't do unless they are so egotistical or so narcissistic or just so, um, rude and disrespectful is say that shit out loud to somebody's face who who doesn't deserve it it'd be different if amanda was causing a toxic work environment and being a piece of shit and so ed exercises his um authority and says hey you fucking shit up and just so you know if things aren't changing or if you can't be about this or that you know, I'll go to them people and say that, you know, we can't work under these conditions. But no, you're talking to somebody who is just who could be your equal. You're talking to them like you're their superior. They're, you're their, uh, they're your underling. And that's just not right. 
And he wants them to, he wants her to know. He wants her to know. I was Ball never going to push. Line. Yeah, I was never going to push that button, but I just want you to know that I could. I could, I have it, and I'm just danger over your head. Now, when you go to the other side, when you go to um, Amanda, Amanda's bit, she's let a couple of details slide, and I literally mean a couple. She does not talk much. In fact, she has a quote back when she was asked about um, her relationship with Ed O'Neill in 2018. She says, I follow the thumper rule. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. And she's basically stuck to that. She, the only other couple things she said about her and Ed O'Neill is that, you know, towards the end of the show, because they had 11 seasons, um, Ed O'Neill was not like really happy about the direction it was going or this and that. So, you know, when the viewership declined, they got canceled. They didn't really get a final episode. It just ended at season 11. They didn't come back for 12. Uh-huh. She also says that because she was directing a lot of the episodes towards the end, that was another reason why um, her relationship with Ed was uh, so contentious is because he did not like the fact that since she's the director, she's in charge of us in, in a sense. And so she's directing them, giving them things and he doesn't want to be directed or controlled by it. whether it's a woman or just Amanda specifically. Probably a woman with her funny little haircut. Her masculine ass, lesbian ass, dyke ass haircut. I know he was calling oh. her dyke. I just know it. He looks like he says it. Maybe I can say I it. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like I said, two years later, she came out uh, again with uh, like a small statement just saying that um, talking about the end of Married with Children again, saying that towards the end, it wasn't as pleasant um, and that, of course, she was trying to be a little, I guess, vague, but uh, kind of saying that, you know, if you spend time with anybody, uh, if you spend that much time with anybody, you're going to have both good and bad days. And that's why towards the end, the show just kind of was a shell of its former self because there was just a there was discord among the the set so it just didn't it just didn't um what's the word it didn't vibe it didn't gel like it did before in the past when everybody was on the same page and everybody was happy and contributing yeah and i mean she knows how hollywood is if she goes around Talking about Ed O'Neill, who's a bigger celebrity than she is, mm -hmm. saying he's horrible, or he's mm -hmm. this and that. I mean, people won't want to work with her. Exactly. So, yeah, it seems like that's what it is, you know. There was, like, a hour reunion that came out in 2007. Everybody was a part of it. It was one of those reunions where they go over the clips and the history of the show, and they all sit on whatever set was iconic from that show and go through memories. And it seemed like... Ed and Amanda played nice, but you know, if if you knew how they felt about each other, it wasn't like they were like hugging and kissing all over each other. I think it was just, you know, it was a reunion, so you do what you do. And um, it really does seem like Ed was just being a bully. Well, yeah. Only you don't, there's only three stories completely about their whole feud, but in each story, Ed looks like the primary asshole slash um shit starter yeah so yeah that's the end um amanda bierce is still you know directing shows to this day and as we know ed o'neill is still successful 
getting roles to this day. We've come to the end of our show, so we want to end on a positive note and share some piece of media that we've been thinking about that means something to us that has jogged a memory or what or so forth and so on. Jose, would you like to go first? No. Okay, I will go first. Perfect. Um, I've just been listening to three different songs, um, all from the 90s, I'm sure. Okay. Um, I don't even know if I've mentioned this. I hope I haven't talked about these songs, but whatever. Uh, basically, two of the three songs I got off a CD, a mix CD that my grandma gave to me that somebody gave to her. And those are The Things You Do by Gina Thompson, the Bad Boy remix with Missy Elliott. Bam. I have never heard the song before in my life. But for some reason, I was in the car, hit that mix, and that song came on, just touched something in me, added it to the library immediately. The second um, is off a soundtrack for the movie Juice with Tupac and Omar Epps. I have seen that movie a few times and I never, I mean, sometimes all the songs aren't in the movie, but who knows. Um, the song is called, Is It Good To You? It's uh, Teddy Riley featuring Tammy Lucas. It's called, Is It Good To You? It's off the Juice soundtrack. Um, I never heard this song either, and for some reason it just spoke to me too, so I added that. The third song is a song I've listened to plenty of times. I just forgot about it, heard it on the radio, um, and then re-added it to the rotation, and that's Only You, the Bad Boy remix from 112, which 112 has a lot of hits, but they've grown off me. You know, I don't feel you, like I know any of these songs. I'm, well, you don't know any of these songs. I know for sure you don't know any of them. But uh, 112, all the, the songs are just about, like, fucking them. You know, I feel like I heard them all, like, as, like, a, a young girl. So they just don't have the same effect as an adult. Whatever. I ain't about to break out into peaches and cream. Okay. But anyway, those are my media. Those are my 390 songs. Love them for all three different reasons. Is there a reason you've been listening to those more recently? Um, sometimes what happens is that I get a, like a earworm, so mm. I can listen to any song, but for some reason, if I am like in a mu music listening session, I have to start with the songs I'm obsessed with and end with the songs I'm obsessed with. Understandable. So, yeah. And in between, I've been, you know, filling it in with like, um, some Beyonce and, um, some old 80s jams, and a little bit of gospel from Kurt Franklin. Ooh. Interesting. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so my media is... I guess I'll talk about my first love, reading. I read... Well, I read two books this week, but I'm not going to talk about one of those. Um... Some of the books I read this month are, I went on like a TikTok bench, okay. like what's popular on TikTok. So I did, I read Beach Read by Emily Henry, I believe her name is. And it's about two authors who find each other on the beach and they make a bet, like one writes romance and one writes, I forget where he writes, but he writes some force sort romance. of fiction. Like, like some dark stories, like with unhappy endings and hers always has happy endings. So they like... Mm make a bet to write 
he writes a romance story and then she writes a dark story and they fall in love along the way and that one was okay that one was i like the ride going for the ride was okay but i did not like the ending ah and that's the worst it was okay i'm not a romancy reader so it was out of my normal comfort zone but it, i was just like it's popular let's see what it's about mm-hmm. and that one was okay and then i read colleen hoover everyone loves her right now I read November 9th, and it's about this girl who has, she has like burns over her body. There's a house fire on November 9th, and it starts off where she's at lunch with her dad, and then they get into an argument, and this guy like gets in the booth and pretends he's her boyfriend, and for like the next five years, they meet on November 9th, and they don't like talk or look up each other besides November 9th. Mm. And then he writes a book about it. Like, that's about it. So I love books that talk about books or authors or writing. So that was interesting. And it was another, you know, romancy book. But they were easy to read. A lot of people are shit-talking them. Like, oh, because Colleen Hoover right now is, like, really big. Yeah, I love Miss Hoover. <laughs> and a lot of people are shit-talking it. And I just, I think there's so much, like, gatekeeping and the book community like you know why are you reading that that's garbage it's like just let people enjoy what they enjoy okay that is our episode please leave us a review please leave us a rating if you want to reach out to us our socials are save your sorry on instagram save your sorry on twitter but the your is spelled you are and our gmail you can send us your media send us suggestions on who to do next that is saveyoursorry at gmail.com. And that's it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye.